Hey, everybody. You're listening to the Legacy Church Podcast. Legacy Church is a multi-generational church that exists to worship God, become like Jesus, and bring hope to our community. Today, we're sharing a message from our current series. We believe that the Word of God is powerful and has real-life application to our lives today. We hope that this message encourages you. Get connected and learn more about us by visiting our website at lgcy.church. As I was praying and asking the Lord what to speak on this, uh, this Sunday, we're not really in a series right now, but that's kind of nice and it's kind of freeing because we just get to talk to the Lord and ask him what he knows. He knows all things. The Holy Spirit knows everything that everyone's going through. He knows everything that's happening. I want to preface what I'm about to talk about with this. And I don't know, this is not in my notes. This is just something that I feel led to say, dropped in my heart. I know that there are lots of things going on in our world. I know that there are lots of things going on in your world. I know that there are wars happening on the planet. I know that there are people under attack all over. I know this. You and I are not called to carry the burden of this world. Jesus Christ died on the cross for every war, for every burden, for every oppression, for everything that was and is and is to come. And it is not your responsibility to pick up the burden with which he has already died for and carry it. Many times the heaviness that you and I are walking around with is for things that Jesus has already died for. He has already paid for it all. Heaviness is not a fruit of the Spirit. Heaviness is not a fruit of the Spirit. Grief is not a fruit of the Spirit. Mourning is not a fruit of the Spirit. Sadness is not a fruit of the Spirit. Now, these things can be moments, but they are not called to undergird our entire lives. So if you have been living in the fruit of heaviness, in the spirit of heaviness, let me remind you, Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross was enough. It was enough. It was enough for every war. It was enough for every prisoner. It solves every single problem. And you might say, well, does it really? Because I'm looking around. It's enough. What Jesus did on the cross is enough. So today, whatever heaviness, whatever burden, you know, sometimes I think that because we live in in a world where we can see what's happening around the world with the touch of a button, like, Back in the day when Jesus walked the earth, Jesus was the only one who could know everything that was happening at one time. 
But now you and I are tapped into this power where we can see and know the smallest details of what's happening on the other side of the planet. And it's not making you happier. It's not filling you with joy because you're not God. You were not meant to know every single thing that was happening on planet Earth and every single horrible thing that's happening. You weren't meant to know because you and I were never meant to carry that. Jesus carried it on the cross. This has nothing to do with my message. And you can say, well, that's not compassion. I'm not burying my head in the sand. I'm not saying don't know what's going on. But that cannot be the overarching conversation of every single conversation that you have and every single thought that you have and every single thing that you read and every single fill up with the word of God. Fill up with the word of God. The word of God is the only hope for every single thing that's happening. The word of God. Not Instagram, not the news, not TikTok. It's producing misery. Misery. Today, <laughs> it kind of ties in, but I just felt, I felt it burning inside of me lately. Like, man, we got a whole bunch of sad, miserable Christians right now. It's not a fruit of the Spirit. Misery is not a fruit of the Spirit. If you want to be miserable, you're tapped into the wrong spirit. I'm just saying. Let's talk about this. 2 Samuel chapter 6. We're talking about bitter, barren, or blessed. You get to make the choice. Bitter, barren, or blessed. As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts and distributed among all the people the whole multitude of Israel, both men and women, a cake of bread, a portion of meat, a cake of raisins to each one. Then all the people departed each to their own house. And David returned to bless his household. But Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself before the eyes of his servants, female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord, and I will celebrate before the Lord. Boom. He just, he just dishes it to her. And I will make myself yet more contemptible than this, lady. And I will be abased in your eyes. But by the female servants of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. 
Everyone here in this story is celebrating the presence of God returning to Israel. And Michael is looking out and she's miserable. Says she despises David. She watches him. David strips off all of his kingly robes and he's in normal people clothes and he's just dancing before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And there she is. Miserable. And <laughs> this story, I've read this a bunch of times. Last year, around this time, when I was going through my process of my diagnosis and everything that happened, I was flattened for months just on the couch. And I wasn't working, and I wasn't preaching, and I wasn't nothing. And, and the Lord led me to just read the story of David. That's just what I felt like. You know what? From beginning to end, I have this beautiful opportunity to do absolutely nothing. And so I just began to read the story of David. And the whole time, I'm like looking at David for the lesson. And God brings me to this moment with Michael. And it just hits me like a ton of bricks that bitterness is a choice that you make. And I had just been through a lot in that past year and all everything in my health was kind of a cherry on top. And the Holy Spirit, through what I'm about to share today, this message the Holy Spirit preached to me. And he said, are you going to be bitter are you going to be barren or are you going to be blessed? Because you have a choice right now. And it's funny because I wrote this all out and this is a year ago and then I never looked at it again. Never looked at it again. I thought I didn't, it's not like I thought, oh, one day I'll preach this. I just never thought about it again. And as I was praying and seeking the Lord for what to talk about this week, this thing came right up in my spirit. And I want to tell you a story in my own life, similar to this moment where I realized that I was making a choice to be bitter. A few months back, I guess it would have been in the late summer, Pastor Matt and I got this opportunity to go to Ottawa to be a part of a worship event. And it was just thousands of Christians from all over coming together to worship in the nation's capital. And I was in a state. And you're like, Pastor Rachel, you get in a state? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we get in states. And I was just like questioning everything. And I get to this worship event where I am also being asked to stand on a stage and pray, which I made it through by the grace of God because he just spoke through me. And I'm standing side stage, and here's the stage, and Sean Foyt, and all these, there's thousands of people, and I'm standing in the pastor's pit. And they start playing these songs. And I'm standing there, and I just feel like lead is in my blood. Like lead. You know, you ever come into worship, you feel like you weigh a thousand pounds. And I'm watching and I met like three or four other pastors' wives at this event or, you know, female lead pastors that serve with their husbands. And they're like, 
like dancing and running around and smiling and laughing. And I'm standing there and I'm like, get me out of here. And I'm looking at them and in my heart, I'm like, are you for real right now? I'm being very honest, very transparent. I literally was like, are you serious? You are 45 years old. And I had like, I started to get angry at their joy. Angry at their joy. Each of the girls that I met, the ladies, they each had like four children each that were all like my kids' age and a little older, and they're just dancing with their kids and praising the Lord. And I'm like, get me out of here. I, I cannot explain except God is so good. I got zapped with a lightning bolt of this story. And the Holy Spirit was like, are you going to be bitter? Are you going to be barren? Or are you going to see the blessing of God in your life? And I got to tell you, I dropped to my knees. And I wept the entire rest of the night. Because I realized... that something that I never thought I'd see, thousands of young people, thousands of kids, thousands of teens, thousands of older people all gathered together dancing and jumping and worshiping the Lord. And I'm witnessing the presence of God in our nation's capital like I've never seen before. And there I am despising it because that's what bitterness does bitterness makes you in the moment where you finally see something that you've been waiting for David finally brings the ark of God's presence back into Jerusalem where it belongs and there she is and she's despising it And the Lord humbled me on that trip. And thank God for his mercy and his grace and his kindness to us. That he sees our bitterness and loves us anyway. And comes in with his mercy and just reminds us. And I thought to myself, what is wrong with me? And God's like, you're bitter. <laughs> you're bitter. And I'm like, okay, let's talk about this. We don't just wake up bitter one day. You know, bitterness is a process. And when we read this moment with Michael, I mean, maybe you have, I, I see myself in this story so much. There's so much going on here. How did she get that way? And that's the part that I want to look at today because I think we can all agree that we don't want to be the bitter person. 
We don't want to be the person that gets into the presence of God and won't move and looks around at the people that are just joyfully worshiping and goes, yeah, that's not real. It's cynical. It's not who I want to be. I want to be the one filled with the joy of the Lord. I don't want to be annoyed at people who are joyful. Like that's the very definition of misery when you're grieved by joy. Like you got problems. And there's no judgment. We've all been there. So I begin to dig into this story, and I want to ask you these few questions before I do it. How did she get here? How do we end up in a bitter place? Before I do that, I want to ask you these questions. What are you doing during a time of celebration? In a season where you should be filled with praise, what is what's coming out of your mouth? In a season where God is showing up powerfully on the scene of your life, and his presence shows up on a Sunday in his house, what is your heart posture? Because if you can't bring yourself to sing, if you look around, if you look at the team up here and go, oh, well, that song, oh, well, this, oh, well, that, you're bitter. You're bitter, and it's okay. The presence of God shows up, and there's people being saved. There's people encountering him. There's people experiencing transformation, and all that's going through your mind is everything that's not right. Here's what happens. I don't have time to read all the different sections because this Michael's story is kind of told over multiple chapters. But basically what happens is David is the love of Michael's life. She wasn't even supposed to marry David. Her older sister was. But Saul found out that Michael was like madly in love with David. So this isn't some like Old Testament strangers arranged marriage type of thing. This is like Saul finds out that his daughter is madly in love with David and allows them to be together. And what happens is they get married, and then after that, her own father turns on her husband because he's jealous. King Saul turns on David, and Michael actually helps David escape from her own father. Okay, there's a whole story. She puts the original godfather, she puts a goat's hair head in the bed and allows David to get away. And David, her husband, becomes on her father's most wanted list. And this is the love of her life, okay, who has disappeared now to save himself from, from death. Her father literally takes her and out of spite for David, gives her to another man to be married. She gets ripped away from the love of her life and gets sent off to be married to somebody she doesn't even know and doesn't see her husband for years. Years. During that time, she loses her father and her brother to death. Both of them are killed. David's still on the run, and now in the world's eyes, David is the enemy of Saul. 
and David gets put into power. And then she gets kidnapped from the new husband that she's been with for a few years and gets dragged back to David's house. Only David now has two new wives. And she's not the only one. And so now she comes into this home in this environment where, you know, you have to make note, like in the Bible, it doesn't say whenever it's talking about married people, it doesn't always say, and they loved one another. It doesn't always say they had eyes for love for one. Sometimes it's like, and -and so-and-so married so-and-so, and and they begot so-and-so. And and it's very like, beep, boop, beep, boop. This, (laughs) this, this was like somewhat of a love story. And when there's love involved, it's painful. And so now she's lost her father. She's lost her brother. Her family has lost the throne. She's been traded back and forth to different men. And here she is. And she's looking at David dancing. And she's like, what are you happy about? What are you so happy about? Look at the hell that I've gone through. I didn't deserve any of that. I'm sorry, David. I just can't praise right now because I've actually been through some stuff. Is this what you think that we should be doing after the nightmare that we just went through? Do you really think that we should be gathering and singing and making music to the Lord after what we've been through? David's like, yeah, that's exactly what we should be doing. But bitterness was rooted in Michael's heart. She's bitter. She looks at her life and she goes, wow, I didn't deserve any of that. We look at what we've been through and we go, man, I didn't think that's how it was all going to turn out. And she looks at him dancing and she's like, oh, she's disgusted. She's filled with contempt. She hates him for responding. And she's got valid reasons And so does David. She's like, David, you were just on the run in the caves for years. Look at all that you've been through. You were mistreated. You were abused. You were wrongly accused. What are you doing taking your clothes off and dancing for the Lord? She sounds like us. You and I are not David in the story. (laughs) we're not we're her we're going I've said this I've hit my limit I can't really go through anything else so I'm just like I'm at my limit here and I'm scared to celebrate because I'm scared that if I get too happy and excited some storm is just going to come around the corner and knock me out And while that attitude, and it's funny, and I laugh too, when you let that thing become a root, 
it poisons your life. And I want to clarify something here because all of us have bitter moments. We all have bitter moments. But the Bible talks in Hebrews 12, 12 through 15, it says, Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. Isn't it funny that bitterness causes your hands to droop? This is all tied in together. When you're bitter, it says, and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. If you want to be healed, you got to strengthen your knees. You got to get in the game. You got to lift up your hands. This is a posture before the Lord. Healing doesn't come from this. I guess. Okay. That's not where we get healed. It says, lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, set your feet straight so that you can be healed, so that God can do the work in you. Strive, it says, strive for peace with everyone. Bitterness causes division. Cuts, it builds walls. Well, that person believes this, and that person said this about Israel, and that person's pro-Palestine. Shh. Division is the fruit of bitterness. It's the fruit of bitterness. Strive to live in peace with everyone. Not prove everyone wrong. Live in peace, it says, and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Holiness, which means I'm set apart. I'm not doing the same things as everybody else. I'm not saying the same things. I'm not living the same way. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. We need the grace of God because bitterness starts to become like judgmental and you start being like extra ungracious with everyone else around you. The grace of God is like an antidote for bitterness, realizing you and I, none of us deserve any of this anyway. God's grace poured out. Jesus dying on a cross for you and for I. I don't have a right to be bitter. I'm only here by grace. And then it says that no root of bitterness, and hear me now, springs up and causes trouble. Bitterness causes trouble. It's not just a feeling of bitterness. Oh, that made me sad. The root of bitterness actually springs up and causes trouble in your life, in your family, in the church. And it says, and by it, many become defiled. So not only does that poison poison you, but it can poison many people around you. Now I want to talk about this root. The root word for bitter is miserable. It's miserable. So if you let misery take root in you, 
it can actually spring up and destroy your life and destroy the people around you and destroy the atmosphere at church and destroy, destroy, destroy. Misery loves company. Isn't that what they say? Misery isn't happy to just be miserable alone. Oh no, we got to find people to be miserable with. That's the nature of bitterness. And a root, when it says a bitter root, a root is at the foundation of your life and the source for which all the nutrients flow from the soil. So if your roots are miserable, that is the place from which everything in the soil of your life flows through. It doesn't really matter what's going on out here if what in here is bitter. If the root is bitter, you can put it in the best soil. You could be in a great church. You have the living word of God. There is no better thing that you could be ingesting, but if you're bitter, it spoils it. It just, it makes everything rotten, everything poison. And what I learned when I'm looking at this moment with Michael is Michael couldn't see beyond her past. She couldn't see beyond what had happened, how everything went, what she lost, and in her heart in the end, she blamed David. She resented David. To win the fight and the battle against bitterness, we have to let go of the past. And that's the hard part for all of us. Me too. To win the war against bitterness, you have to let go of the past. As the Lord leads, as he brings stuff up. It says this here in Ephesians 4, 29 to 32. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Bitterness comes out when we talk. I had this conversation with my own daughter yesterday Honest to goodness, I think it was 15 minutes straight that she just spewed about a situation. 15 minutes. And the more she talked, the more I was like, I can't listen to this anymore. Because it was just this bitter, sour, angry, unforgiving, like in a nine-year-old. And it's so funny because the more she talked, the smaller I felt. The more she talked, the more anxiety I became filled with. The more she talked, the more I felt like this is getting out of control. Because bad speech corrupts the atmosphere. And if all you're spewing is what's wrong and who did this to you in the past and this and this. She brought up something that happened two and a half years ago. Like, how do you remember these things? Because when you're bent towards bitterness, you got your little filing cabinet going on in your brain and in your heart. And let me tell you something. 
when you spew bitterness, the people around you are not built up. The more you talk, the more people feel small. The more you talk, the more people are like, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to be here. I don't want to. Paul says, only let things that are good for building up come out of your mouth. That doesn't mean that everything you say is going to be easy. Sometimes we build up through a, a bit of a challenge. But the purpose of it is that it gives grace to those who hear it. Grace to yourself. Grace to the people around you. It says, and do not grieve, continuing in 429, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The way you talk, this bitterness actually grieves the Holy Spirit. Your negativity, your criticism, all of it grieves God. It grieves him. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And this is the part that I want to close here on because this is the key. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. The way that we deal with bitterness is we start being kind to one another. Instead of taking out our machete every time we get an opportunity, we start asking the Lord to help us be tender-hearted. It's very, very, when I found myself in that moment in Ottawa, I was like, my prayer was like, God, take this heart of stone and make it flesh. I want to be tender hearted. I want to be tender to your presence, to your spirit, to your people. I don't want to become hard and hardened by the things that have happened to me. I don't want to be hardened and then it says forgiving one another. We've talked so much about forgiveness. We could talk about it every day for the rest of our lives and still need it more and more and more. Because kindness, forgiveness, all of these things are the things that start to suck out that bitterness. See, if you're in a bitter state today, I don't want you to feel hopeless or like there's no other option for you because in Christ nothing that you're in you're trapped in doesn't matter how it feels nothing that you're in you are trapped in you've got the keys to be free from every single weapon from the enemy, from every single root in you that is not like him. The key that you have is something called repentance. And repentance is not for you to look around and be like, yeah, everybody in here needs to repent. Don't come up to me and say that. Don't come up to me and say that. In love, don't come up to me and say that. 
the very fact that your mind goes to what everyone else needs to do proves the point of this message today. David, what are you doing out there? Who do you think you are? Put your clothes on. David's like, oh, I'm going to embarrass you even more, lady. That's what I feel in here today. Look at that bitterness. Repent before the Lord. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've let myself get to this point. I'm sorry that I've just spoken about people, that I've complained, that I've criticized, that I've let my past just completely cloud over what you're doing right here in the here and now. God, forgive me for being filled with grief and misery when I look at people who are filled with joy. Forgive me that I can't celebrate your presence. Forgive me that I can't lift my hands when I know that I need to. God, I don't want to miss the very thing that I had been waiting for. I don't want to miss your presence among us because I can't see past what I've been through. In Jesus' name, we break the bondage of bitterness in this place. We break, we cut at any root, a root of misery and disdain and contempt. We cut it right on the inside of us. God, your word is a mirror. Help us to see ourselves today. Help us to see where we've fallen short. Not so that we can be condemned and feel bad about ourselves, but so that we can repent. We get to repent. We get to walk away from these things. We don't have to stay stuck. We don't have to stay bitter. Spirit of God, would you help us today to find joy, to find joy in this season? Would you help us? Would you turn every bitter root? Lord, today we just, we lift drooping hands. We strengthen our knees. We come before you, God. Help us, Lord, to be like you. Help us, Jesus, to see that what you did on the cross is enough. It's enough for us. It's enough for the people around us. You can keep your eyes closed. There's one note at the end of this story. It says that Michael never gave birth till the day that she died. And it doesn't say whether the Lord actually made her womb barren or whether she just lost her intimate relationship with David, her husband. But I just feel 
to share this today by the Holy Spirit, that bitterness produces barrenness. And that bitterness kills your ability to have a legacy. Bitterness kills your prospects of producing the next generation. Bitterness leaves you barren. And that is not God's will for your life. He has called you to be fruitful and to multiply. Yes, in the physical, but also in the spiritual. Bitterness will not allow you to birth the future and the calling and the purpose of God that he has placed in your life. And this bitterness has got to be surrendered if you want to produce the fruit, if you want to see and birth the kingdom and the move of God and the calling of God and the children and the spiritual children that he has called you to produce. So Father, we don't want to be barren Christians. We want to bring life wherever we go. We want your life to be the result of where we walk, of where we live, of the families that we grow, of the spiritual families that we lead in worship with. We don't want any barrenness. God, would you heal any bitterness in us? so that we can produce the life that you created us for, God. So that we can produce the life that you sent your son to die for. Bitterness has no place in this family. No place. And today we're closing the door on bitterness. We're closing the door on bitterness. In Jesus' name, I'm closing the door on bitterness. I'm closing the door on barrenness in Jesus' name. This will be a house of life. This will be a house of joy. This will be a house of dancing. This will be a house of laughter. It's bitter days are over. We praise you, Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords. Would you have your way in us? Have your way in this place. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. To hear more, subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on our website at lgcy.church.